0: The following podcast is brought to you by Starbucks Canada.
1: This was just going to be a part-time job that would help me get my dream job. Ten years later, I'm still here with Starbucks and I have my dream job.
0: Toronto Support Centre, this is Career Passport, a podcast featuring partners across the country showcasing how they landed in the role they're in today and uncovering the stories behind their career trials and triumphs along the way. I'm your host, Donna Ewan. I'm a partner within the talent acquisition team here at Starbucks, so buckle up your seatbelt as we meet our guest for today. On this episode of Career Passport, We're featuring Juan Viela from District 202 in British Columbia. Juan immigrated from Honduras in 2009 after finishing his engineering degree. The following year in 2010, he joined Starbucks as a barista while re-enrolling in school. Over the past decade, he's worked really hard while putting on this super contagious smile and has worked his way up to becoming a district manager. A few things to note about Juan's episode. Number one. In the middle of the episode, I asked Juan about his ethnic background, and due to my lack of knowledge, since Juan is actually one of the first partners I've met from Honduras specifically, I mistook him for being Hispanic, when in reality, he's Honduran, and as a general classified group, Central American. I learned from talking with other partners that depending on the person you're speaking with, calling someone Hispanic as a general term can actually be offensive depending on that person. Why I bring this up is to set an example that we shouldn't make assumptions and that it's really important to ask open-ended questions. We should really flex our curiosity to learn more about each and every partner. Juan, thank you so much for being so gracious and not even correcting me for my oversight during the conversation. Which leads me to my second point. Over the course of producing this episode and getting to know Juan, one thing consistently stuck out to me about him, his humility. In fact, because he was so humble, I actually had to do a lot of homework and reached out to every partner in his district to get to know him more. All of the managers in 2-02, thank you so much for highlighting so many of his accomplishments and skills. A special thank you to Clark and Amelia, as your insights are even featured in the recording you're about to hear. Number three, you'll probably piece this together, but I'll highlight it anyway. Juan is extremely positive and has a can-do, roll-up-your-sleeves mindset. Despite learning that his engineering degree wasn't valid in Canada, not only was he willing to press that restart button, Juan is one of the few people who's able to use the resources at hand to the best of his ability. The lens on life that he wears is truly one that is positive and action-oriented towards his goals and dreams. When I asked him about his challenges he's had to overcome for being a visible minority, please don't just take his answer at face value. As someone who's chatted with him over the hours for this production, I can tell you Juan has taken every opportunity where maybe he stuck out into transforming himself into a partner who stands out at Starbucks. Finally, to my last point, because of the turbulence of COVID-19, we are all recording at home using budget lapel microphones. These are no longer broadcast mics, And sometimes our Wi-Fi cuts out. We try our best in editing to perfect the sound, but it's perfectly normal that it's not perfect. With that said, we still think that this is an awesome episode. I was so privileged to have this opportunity to speak with Juan. And I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode of Career Passport. Today, we have Juan joining us for our at-home recording session. Juan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: No, thank you so much for having me, and yeah, this is kind of like the new normal, virtual connects.
0: It is. We do have our custom Teams background turned on, so we're in Costa Rica with a similar background, even though Juan is from British Columbia and I'm based here in Ontario. It's pretty amazing what our technology is allowing us to do to still be able to connect despite being physically very distanced. For this episode, there's so much I do want to dive into and some stories about current times. But before we really go into everything that's going on, I want to first dive into a little bit about your early beginnings, Juan. From our conversations prior to this podcast recording, I did learn that you were born and raised and were educated in a country where Starbucks didn't even exist. Let's start there. How did you first get introduced to this brand?
1: yes to the first part that you were talking about i was born and raised in honduras central america where there is actually no starbucks and i believe at that time there was only one starbucks in el salvador but i think now there's a couple of stores in el salvador and guatemala i think it's just definitely growing in central america i got introduced to the brand i would say we were my family was very fortunate so we would travel to visit my uncle who lives in miami Whenever we travel to Miami and visit my family, that's when I would definitely indulge myself with Starbucks Frappuccinos because the weather in Miami is definitely hot. So I would always stop by Starbucks just to get a Frappuccino. And I would say when I came to Canada, that's when my younger sister started working for Starbucks. I still remember picking her up after work every single shift because we only had one car. But it was also a good excuse for me to get my favorite, the java chip Frappuccino. <laughs> yeah, and I think I would definitely enjoy those drinks. But at the same time, I realized how much my sister enjoyed her work. No matter how long her days were, she would always jump in that car full of energy. It would never stop talking about work and her teams. I think that's how I got introduced to, to Starbucks and the brand.
0: That's pretty incredible how trips to the U.S. introduced you to the brand. And it was actually your sister who brought you into Starbucks. About 10% of all of store manager roles and above are all through referrals. Thanks to your sister, we have talent such as you here at Starbucks now as a long-term partner. Something that is really interesting that I've discovered from speaking with you is that you're actually an engineer by trade. And that's what you studied when you were living in Honduras. When you were moving to Canada, what made you decide to go back to school for logistics? Was it difficult for you to start all over and also to balance school and work at the same time?
1: I was an industrial engineer back in Honduras, and that was definitely something that I was passionate about. When I moved to Canada, my engineering degree was not valid. It was a hard reality to face. But I think I, I kept that growth mindset and I really challenged myself to adapt to the new home I came to, right? That's when I decided to, to go back to school. At first, it, it was very hard to balance work and school. It really took some time for me to adjust to, to this new routine. But once I made those adjustments and, and I let some time pass by, it became part of my weekly routine. Yes, it's always hard like any other change, but it's just about building those habits it will become a routine. What I will share is that there's a couple of factors that made me go back to school and kept me motivated. I would say the first one was pursuing what I used to be passionate about and doing what I wanted to do. I think that was the biggest one. Second one, I would say I'm so grateful for the store manager I had and also just just working for Starbucks because my store manager was very understanding and was always willing to work around my availability so that I could go to school. Even though I was just going to school for one or two days, he always supported that. So I'm very grateful. And the third piece, and I think this is something important to mention, is the Starbucks tuition reimbursement program was the best financial support. I could have received when I was going back to school and be able to finish my diploma. So for those partners that are listening out there, if you are in school, don't forget about this amazing benefits. If you are eligible, you qualify for up to $1,000 per calendar year, I believe, which is amazing support, especially when you have to deal with tuition, when you have to pay for books, so many expenses. A Starbucks will definitely provide some support when you're going to school. Please take advantage of that. It's a great benefit that we have amongst others that we have.
0: Always take advantage of free money as long as you're, I think it's working 20 hours a week that you can sustain this benefit, correct? Correct. This is a question I love asking long-term partners because I hear this story over and over again. They joined Starbucks thinking that they were going to be a partner just in the in-between while you're in school or in between jobs. And the next thing you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, they are a lifetime partner. Yeah. <laughs> your story, for those who may or may not know, you actually celebrated your 10-year anniversary last week. So congratulations on that again. What was that pivotal moment for you of when you realized you actually want to grow your career here at Starbucks?
1: First of all, thank you so much for the congratulations. It doesn't seem like 10 years. I have really enjoyed my journey with Starbucks. Uh, so I think that's what's made it seem like it was yesterday. This is a story I always share with my partners. And I always let them know that when I joined Starbucks, uh, I always kept saying to myself that this was just going to be a part time job that would help me get my dream job. Ten years later, I'm still here with Starbucks and I have my dream job. My dream job or like the perception of my dream job has changed. But right now, my dream job, which is what I'm doing right now, is just inspiring and leading teams that have a positive impact in people's lives and communities. That's what I feel I do every single day. I try my best to do that. So that's why I say it's my dream job. What has kept me so long with Starbucks, 10 years, is the people, the culture of warmth and belonging from day one the people that surround you just inspire me, just make me happy, just make me so proud. Something that I'll share as well is when I immigrated to Canada, I had my family with me. And I don't know if I have shared this with you, but I didn't have too many friends. And the team at my store where I started my journey just welcomed me with arms wide open. They just made me feel like I was at home. So the majority of my friends currently are from Starbucks, they're partners.
0: That's amazing. I feel like it becomes that really interesting like blend of your family are your partners and your partners are your family. What an incredible company that we work at where one of the values is to create a culture of warmth and belonging. One thing I do actually want to focus on based on one of your answers just now was about your perception of what your dream job was and how right now you are doing your dream job, which is amazing. I think so many people, especially when they're young, they have this vision of what a dream job looks like. And I'm really curious to know, like, how did you kind of realize that statement that you were talking about on being able to inspire and influence people? How did you realize that that was the work that you wanted to do, and that is actually your dream work?
1: I would say your dream work or your dream job or that perception that you have might change. For me, it changed because I gave Starbucks a chance and and I I gave myself that opportunity to, to be the best I could with Starbucks. Just through experience, I realized that for me, being in the people business and just being able to inspire leaders and many partners and many customers, that's when my perception changed. It's not that I wanted to specifically do logistics. Just through experience, that's when I realized this is what I want to do. We see that many times with students in university, right? They go for school for something, and then sometimes they end up doing something else in their career. So it's just going through the experiences and just finding what you like to do.
0: For sure. I feel like it's almost letting the talents that every individual and partner has speak for themselves and letting that guide you versus what society tells us what we should be doing. Correct. You started out as a barista and quickly moved up to be a chef supervisor. Now, 10 years later, you're a district manager. As you reflect on your journey, what's something that you've faced as a challenge in one of your roles? How have you been able to overcome it?
1: Great question. I would say, I wouldn't call it a challenge. It was more of a a trait that I had to build and adjust inside to prove that I could do everything myself. I think it was pride, right? So I wanted to do everything myself. And I used to think that asking for help or just even acknowledging that I made a mistake was a sign of weakness. I can tell you now that I was completely wrong. Being vulnerable is a trait that allows you to gain the trust of others. Most importantly, just remind yourself that it's okay to make mistakes. We're all human beings, right? So we're all in this together. So being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness at all. I always say it's okay to fail. I think what matters is what you learn from it. You stand up again and just continue to move forwards.
0: I think that's awesome tidbit and life lesson that every person should learn. For you, actually, did you kind of piece that together yourself or did you learn that through the actions of another partner that you worked with?
1: I would say it was a combination of, of many things. Starbucks has definitely supported me with being vulnerable. So just allowing me to kind of express my feelings, to make mistakes as a store manager, as a district manager, but same with partners, right? They have also influenced me to be vulnerable because as I said, we're all human beings. And if you fail, that's okay. And for me, that's what I try to role model. When we think about excellence, when we see that end point, we're going to have many bumps in the road. And with the help of each other, we'll get there. It's okay to fail. But for me, I would say it was a combination of everything. There was a lot of support from Starbucks, a lot of support from my partners, but also a lot of support from my family. So when I think about my wife, she definitely kind of helped me be more vulnerable, knowing that there's people that can always support you. You're not in this alone.
0: For partners who are listening, Juan's not just talking the talk, he actually walks the walk did some research on him and I sent an email to every one of his store managers and asked what was something that they really admired about Juan. And one of the store managers responded with saying how when Juan doesn't feel like a conversation goes well, he'll actually go back the next day and say like, hey, let's start that conversation all over. Or I don't think that conversation necessarily meant what I was trying to say. I think that humility that you have is really something I want to highlight because Juan is also very, very humble. So I had to do a ton of research on this incredible partner who I have this pleasure of speaking with right now. Thank you. Juan, one thing I also want to help demystify is since you have done all the roles and you've been a long-term partner, now that you're in the district manager role, are there any myths you'd like to debunk about career progression?
1: When I was a supervisor, even just a barista, And now that I'm in the district manager role, I would always be in a way a little bit scared to talk to my district manager. And when I say afraid, it's not that they did something wrong. It was just around pretty much, I felt that kind of position was high up and that district managers would only have a conversation with store managers, but it's not true. As district managers, we are here to support every single partner. No matter what role you are in, we are here to get to know you to understand how we can support and just have honest and clear conversations with every single partner. So I would say if you ever feel that you cannot reach out to your district manager, please know that you can always reach out to them. You can always reach out to your regional director, you can always reach out to your store manager, because our jobs as leaders is just to support you in your journey.
0: I'm going to take this even a step further. For partners who really want to get to know their district manager, But they're really not sure how to start that conversation off because on one hand, you don't want to look like an eager beaver. On the other hand, you don't want to seem like you don't care when you actually care a lot. So what's a great way to make that first great impression when you meet a new partner? You're like, oh, that person really knows how to make a great first impression from.
1: I would say, and this is my observations from being in stores and talking to partners is just be yourself. If you have never spoken to your district manager or any other leader, don't be afraid to say hi. Don't be afraid to say, hey, how's it going? You know what? I've, I've never met you. What's your name? Don't be afraid to ask any questions. I think that's the best way to get to know someone. It's just taking that step forward to even just ask, how are you doing? Because once you start that conversation, trust me, I connect with your district manager or any other leader. Will be like any other conversation.
0: It's fascinating how simple questions are such great ways to break the ice. And when you genuinely mean, how are you doing? Exactly. I hope you don't mind that. I feel that this podcast has become a great platform for some candid questions. Since I'm also a visible minority, for those who have only listened to the podcast and not seen how I look, I'm personally Chinese. And Juan, correct me if I'm wrong. Sorry, Hispanic?
1: Yes. Uh- so we would call um, pretty much, yeah, Hispanics. Yeah, you're, you're correct. So pretty much from Central America.
0: So you're from Central America and you're also someone who's immigrated to Canada as well. So I, I really want to dive into this question of, or, you know, I just want to even have that Canada dialogue about you are a visible minority and you've done this really impressive career growth in your career. What are some trials you've had to necessarily overcome or maybe advice that you want to give to another fellow partner who struggles sometimes with maybe, maybe not the reality, but maybe even the perception for themselves that they're not necessarily being seen for who they are.
1: So just to give you a little bit more story I did come to Canada 11 years ago, and I was very fortunate that I spoke English, right? So I went to a bilingual school when I was in Honduras. I'm um, so very fortunate that I spoke the language. Frankly, I feel that I did not have any trials I had to overcome as a minority. I'm actually so grateful and proud to be a Canadian and a Starbucks partner. Every partner I came across when I came to Canada have had such a big impact in who I am today. I was welcomed to a new home with a lot of love, friendship, and support. And I'm just being honest here. Something I love about our company is we are just a big family under a green roof. No matter what gender, race, or background you have, you will always be acknowledged, listened to, and cared for. I would say Starbucks is a safe place where everyone is welcomed, a place to connect with dignity and respect. A true home. As for advice for any fellow partner that is listening, I would encourage you to always be yourself. And when I say be yourself, is be true to yourself and don't be afraid to speak up. Do not change because what others say. Actually, the opposite. Focus that energy on being a better human being and the influence that you're going to have in others. As a partner, trust me, you are part of something bigger. You are an individual who is unique and you are what makes us stronger and you make a stronger team and community.
0: And I think that you really embody that and in past conversations that I've had and interactions that we've had too. From my research of pulsing your team, they've had such amazing reviews of you as a leader and you as a communicator. And when I think about our interactions, you're not actually that typical of the extrovert, super chatty person. You are actually embody elements of someone that really thinks about what you talk about. And, you know, not necessarily the person who's telling the jokes, but who's actively listening and processing that. Like what's, what's kind of given you that confidence to just allow yourself to embrace who you are and let those strengths speak for themselves versus trying to copy and paste being like, I'm going to try to be like this person, even though I'm not. But because I see that everyone loves them, I'm going to try to be like them. How do you just be okay with like who you are and have that cool as a cucumber kind of confidence?
1: <laughs> I would say, yes, it has to do with my personality. But at the same time, I would say just loving yourself, loving who you are as a person. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you cannot learn from others. This is another thing that I share with my partners. Don't try to copy someone. What you want to do is you want to learn from them. So learn from different leaders, learn from different people. And that what you do is you mix all those traits, you mix everything that you have learned with who you are. So once you have a combination and you're able to kind of put it in the blender, you will become a better leader, a better person. It's not about being someone else. It's not about copying someone. It's just about learning from others, being yourself, mix it up, give it a try. And if it doesn't work, then what else can you do? Or what else can you change?
0: It's definitely like a recipe that keeps on developing on leadership. And on that topic of leadership, you shared this really cool insight about how you ask a partner what they're really passionate about. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how it's allowed you to grow the people around you?
1: A couple of years ago, actually, one of my leaders asked me that same question. They asked me, what are you passionate about? My answer, I still remember that day. My answer was family. I'm very passionate about spending time with my family and just being there for them in the good and bad moments. So when I reflect on that specific moment and that answer that I gave, I can still visualize myself talking about my family with so much energy. My body language changed. had a big smile on my face. So my behavior completely shifted. And these are the reactions I really enjoy observing when I talk to my partners. So whenever I ask this question to my partners, this is where I can definitely see their behavior change. I can see their energy is uplifted because they're passionate about what they're talking. So I think that this truly helps me get to know each partner at a personal level, but it also helps me understand where they might be in their Starbucks journey. And I think also allows me to tailor how I can influence them to blend that passion with the work they do in our stores, right? So being unique, being passionate. In my case, I'm passionate about family. So how do I bring that passion to Starbucks? So it's the same with my partners is just create a unique best moment with our customers in our communities with the passion that you have.
0: Another thing that you have shared with me in the past, and even I saw it when we were connecting about this podcast, is that you would say hello and goodbye to all of your partners. Was that like a tip that you got from someone or was that a tip that you picked up uh, past district managers when you were like a store manager or ship supervisor or barista?
1: I would say Going back to what I was mentioning that sometimes some partners are afraid to maybe connect with the district manager. That's where I came from. So when I joined the district manager role, I made sure that every time I went into a store for a visit, I would say hi to every single partner. I would connect with them for a bit. And I, and I still do it to this day. And whenever I leave the store, I also make sure to say goodbye to every partner just to acknowledge them and let them know that I'm here to support them. Another goal I kind of set myself and I challenged myself was to learn the name of every single partner in the district, but I haven't been able to achieve it yet. I think I have almost like 140 partners in the whole district, so a bit challenging, but I still try to get to know them at a personal level. So, so that's why I think I like asking that question.
0: Yes, now partners in your district can ask you and test you to hold you accountable to that. I'm just kidding. It's (laughs) it's very challenging uh, to remember every person's name. I commend you for having that dedication to your partners. And I think it really speaks volumes to know their name or know something about them or something they're really passionate about. Which can even speak to the next question, which I have is during this research, one of your store managers told me that you've been able to decrease your turnover rate by 21% which is massive considering we are in the retail industry where turnover is actually quite the norm. Obviously, these are pre-COVID times, but now that we're in, I would still say, the heart of this pandemic and a lot of uncertainty, how do you really keep your team motivated and with everything that we know and don't know, how do you create that consistency and that team to feel like we can still achieve anything even when we don't know what the future holds?
1: I would say it mostly comes down to creating that culture of warmth and belonging that I mentioned before. But then I have to role model that, right? So if I'm able to role model that, I feel that my team will definitely role model that with their teams. Just welcoming anybody and making work enjoyable, making your job fun. Even though we have goals, we have targets. We can achieve those while having fun in our stores. So just creating that environment where you come to work because you like coming to work. So I think once we are able to create that with our teams, people want to stay with the company longer. People want to join the company because of who we are, the values that we have and the impact that we have in our communities. So when I think about the heart of this pandemic, we all went through different stages in this pandemic, I would say. Everybody experienced it in a different way, but what kept us strong was just being there for each other, being there as a team, connecting every week. I think that really helped. And I think that now we're coming back stronger and I feel that many of our partners feel that.
0: That's awesome. On the topic of role modeling leadership, Something that partners may not know, who don't know you personally, is that you just missed the lockdown because you were actually visiting Honduras to visit your family right before the official lockdown happened. Can you actually share a little bit about that experience and how the leadership around you has influenced the way you lead?
1: Yes, we went on vacations and this was not planned at all, but we went on vacations with my wife. So we are expecting a baby girl. She's due July 28th but I wanted my wife to kind of share that moment of, of being pregnant with, with my father, who still lives in Honduras. So we went down to Honduras for two weeks. Right before we were gonna come back, and I think this was a Sunday, we flew out on Monday. So pretty much on Monday that we flew out, we arrived to Canada that same day, but then because of the COVID-19 situation and it was spreading quite fast, Pretty much um, the Honduras government shut down all the airports the day after we left Honduras. We were very lucky that uh, we were able to get out of Honduras and we were very fortunate and we felt so lucky that we were back home in Canada. The biggest piece and why I felt supported and, and safe is because of the leadership. So even though I was away on vacation, I knew that my leaders were taking the best decisions to ensure that our partners were safe. And then I also remember reaching out that Sunday before we left to my leader, so Kristen Kennedy, Regional Director, and she let me know, do not worry about work right now. Please let me know when you get home safe. So it's just that care that she had for me, not as an employee, but as a person. So I think that really demonstrated how much care we have for our partners. And when I came back to work, it was the same.
0: I think these moments of how our leaders take care of us will influence and impact how we take care of others. And it's been incredible, um, the leaders that you've had and the potential that they have seen in you. Because one thing that I would like to share with partners, too, is that in this note of pandemic, people might think, oh, it's pandemic. I'm not able to achieve my career goals right now, everything's on hold because it's a very big unknown factor. One really interesting thing that I've discovered in getting to know you is that you actually got your permanent role during this pandemic. So I actually would really like to relive that moment with you. If you don't mind sharing with me and all the partners of the series of events that happened when you got notified that you are, we're no longer going to be in a time limit assignment, but a permanent district manager.
1: Before I actually kind of share the story, I do want to say that I am so grateful and proud to be part of Starbucks. Even though we were all going through this pandemic, I was able to get that stability. Getting that stability, that development or that growth, no matter what the situation was, it's just amazing. We know that many companies um, had to lay off a lot of employees. There were so many different scenarios out there, but Starbucks always had partners as their priority. But going back to kind of share my story as to how I heard about my permanent position, I still remember this day very clearly. It was April 1st. So it was in the afternoon and I believe it was around 2 p.m. So I got a call from Kristen Kennedy. She's the regional director for Area 24 and she shared the news with me. She let me know that my position was now no longer going to be a temporary one, it's going to be a permanent one with the downtown core uh, stores. I just had tears. I didn't have any words as to how grateful I was, especially during this time. I just started kind of thanking her. I was so energetic with tears. It was a lot of mixed of emotions. As I said, very grateful. Then once I hang up the phone, I kind of took a little moment. I was definitely had all those mixed emotions.
0: Were you at home, by the way?
1: Yes, I was at home. And then the first person I wanted to share the news was with my wife. So I was just about to call my wife, but when I had that little moment of reflection, I just remembered it was April Fool's Day. (laughs) So this is where it becomes a little bit funny. I was like. Wait a minute, it's it's April Fool's Day. I wonder if this is a joke or not. Um, and, and I really I really thought about it. So before I called my wife, I actually messaged my regional director and I was like, Kristen, it's April Fool's Day. Does this have anything to do with the news you just shared with me? <laughs> so I think I just wanted to validate that this was that this was true. And she replied back, and I, I love her response. She was like, Juan, I would never do something that mean to you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so this is actually true. It was such a relief. And that's when I definitely called my wife just to share the news with her. But yeah, it was um, quite a bit of a funny story.
0: For sure. And you were mentioning something about April Fool jokes are only valid in the morning and not the afternoon.
1: Yes, correct. So someone just let me know that it was um, so on April Fool's Day. You can kind of prank someone or, or do a joke, but it has to be before 1 p.m. Once you pass that 1 p.m. mark, the joke is on you pretty much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's such an incredible story. I love it. And it's so amazing to even know that even during a pandemic, there are still opportunities for development and growth for our partners not to lose hope because you are a great example of someone who you've built this very consistent body of work. How long were you a TLA DM for before this permanent position happened?
1: It was a full year that I was in my TLA position. And yes, now I'm in the permanent position, but it was same thing. I think about that temporary learning experience. It's, it's about the learnings that you have and how can you put all those learnings together to become a better leader. So I didn't focus on it about being too much of a temporary. I focused more on doing the best I could every single day.
0: Did you feel when I was a TLA position that there was a lot of pressure to feel like, oh, I have to make this permanent or therefore it means that I'm not a good partner when really that's not necessarily the case because it's always about is there opportunity for that to become permanent? How do you not let that that negative self-talk take over your mind and like, let's just focus on being a great DM and let the work speak for itself and let the opportunities come to intersect with that?
1: I won't lie, there's always going to be that little kind of voice in the back of your heads that's going to be like, hey, like you're just in a temporary position. What's going to happen next? It's part of the human nature. You're always going to have that little voice in the background. But this is where I always tell my partners and even myself, shift that energy to focusing on today. What can I do today to influence? What can I do today to inspire others? Focus those energies on what you can do best today. Because once you start to do that, it kind of blocks that little voice that you have in the background. And it allows you to be present with your team, with your partners, and and achieve pretty much any goal that you want.
0: For sure. And I think that's an amazing career tip to be able to just refocus your energy on doing today and focusing on what you have right now. As we do wrap up this episode, is there any other Tangible examples you want to focus on, or any career advice in general that you want to uh, hand off to partners as we wrap up this episode?
1: I would definitely have more of a career advice or or maybe just a tip. And I'm pretty sure everybody has heard this from many leaders. If you're set your mind to achieve something, anything is possible. I love to use this phrase if you trip over a rock, that's okay. You're going to stand back up stronger. And it's all about moving forward. Focus on doing your best with the resources available right now and work as a team. Together, anything can be achieved. So as I said, if you if you set yourself goals and you set your mind to it, anything is possible. Don't be afraid to fail because it will happen. Learn from it and move forward and you're going to get there.
0: I think that's awesome advice. So thank you, Juan, for being a part of this conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me and hope this uh, definitely inspires many partners.
0: And that wraps up this episode of Career Passport. Be sure to like, subscribe. And if you feel up for it, even give us a review. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Donna Ewan, and this is Starbucks Canada Career Passport.